0: Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner podcast and I'm vibing at a very high level today because it's probably one of the most favorite topics to talk about is copywriting and sometimes it can be a really dry topic. We've had a few guests, amazing, but I, just from the listeners, they're just like, eh, this copy thing, I don't know, it seems so complicated. We got Sage Polaris on the show today and when I was going through her copy, it was I was just laughing the whole time. I just felt so connected. And I I truly think that Sage is going to bring so much value uh, to this show. And if copywriting is one thing you're struggling with or you want to get better at or, and here's a little secret, is I'm going to be doing everything I can to pull out as many strategies, as many secrets, as many tricks from Sage as I can. We're going to get it for free. We're going to give it to you. Um, And and I truly hope that this helps you uh, write better copy, attract more clients, get more customers, and really build the business that you know you're meant to. To Build, Sage, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Lucas. And also just to join the pantheon of talented people that you've had on your podcast. So thank you. Awesome. If not.
0: Thanks, Sage. Um, right before we get into it, because I, I really, 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 really resonated with your copy. I had fun with it. I, I will be, and this is just a disclaimer, Sage, like any secrets that I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to persuade and influence you to give all of your best stuff. <laughs> But you also have some form of a, and we'll put the link below. But you you also have some kind of cheat sheets and giveaways. Uh, let's just quickly quickly mention that because if you're watching this show, and you're like, I would like that. Uh, where do they find that?
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I have a gift for your audience, and if they go to sagepolaris dot com slash we love coaching. It's actually a guide on how to triple your email open rates, and they're, I'm all about that copy-paste personalized life, so yeah. it's a document. You jump in there. You can send those emails to your list, and it will help you not just to scrub your list, which... Most people come to me and they're like, hey, I ghosted my list. What do I do now? Yeah. Well, you send them these three emails that are included in the triple
0: email open rates. Beautiful. So, so you know, we spend a lot of time with clients building an email list and then a month goes by and I'm like, how's the list? And they're like, I don't know. I have You've put so much time and effort into building a list, into building these relationships and you ain't sending emails or you're sending an email a month and it's like, it's a crummy email. So uh, I know that's going to help. We'll mention it a little bit later on in the show. It'll be in the show notes. That being said, I'm excited to start picking your brain on copy. The first thing I see on your website is like more money, more life and it's just all this fun stuff. <laughs> um how how did you how did you get into copy?
1: Oh my goodness. So, I am 8 years deep into my business and I first started learning about copywriting when I was kind of moonlighting. I was working by day for a museum installing art and by night i started consuming some different resources the first thing that i came across was peter bowerman's book the well-fed writer and it opened up my whole world to like oh i can get paid to write like oh i'm in for this yeah and i had already been writing some stories i had been writing um locally i've been doing some stories about local business owners for the local chamber and then and they were doing like advertor- advertorial type stuff where we would write articles for the cha- like chamber members to kind of, it was like a puff piece to make them look good to the right. community, yeah. And so, and then I also was writing for some local um, p- online publications. And when I realized like journalism is not that well paying, I remember I had a client who would pay me three to five hundred per month, and so the whole right. year I'd make like three to five thousand dollars, and I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, And then I found out about online marketing and working on launches. And at first I was writing website copy, but that's very top of funnel for people. And I realized afterwards, if I get involved where I'm closer to the bottom of the funnel, there's way more potential for my client to get a return on their investment faster, but also for me to charge more for what I'm offering. So that really made a big difference.
0: Amazing, beautiful. So nowadays, I'm guessing you're usually working on bottom of the funnel, the email, the sales type of copy of like, hey, let's turn the relationship you've already built into a sale. Is that what you spend most of your time doing?
1: Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, if you're scrolling on Facebook, you see ads, like yeah. I help my clients write those ads that then turn into some kind of free training. And then there's tons of emails, lots of sales page copy, all that good stuff.
0: Good. So so really, and I have this written down, is I wanted to get a few things out of you. So if you're listening and you've tried to write ads and they've kind of, um, you know, fallen flat and maybe you've worked with the targeting and you're like, man, my targeting is good. Like people tell me my target is good, but the copy, I'm, I'm getting low click through rates. I'm not getting any engagement. I'm not getting any comments and I'm getting the emails. But every time I send an email, out, I get like a 8% open and, and, and no clicks. I know how flustered it can be. You've got a lot inside you. So we're going to be diving into that stuff right before I do. I want to just spend like 60 seconds, and I'm really hoping that you can sell the audience on the importance of copy, because I get a lot of yawns. I get a lot of, well, like that's kind of important. And to me, copy is just as important for a coach as your skill set for coaching, your skill set for communicating. Um, it, it's just as important. It's just another form of communication. And if you can't communicate your offer, your value, um, well, no one will understand what it is you do. So I'm hoping that you can you can pitch the importance of copy. So So we can really drive it home and and actually take copy more seriously than maybe we have been.
1: Yeah. So I think that anybody who's in business needs to learn how to write copy, even if you're going to outsource it at some point. But to outsource it right away and not understand the principles of copywriting, I think is a mistake for most people building their business. They're like, oh, I just want to solve my client problem or my money problem. So I'm just going to find somebody who will do that for me. But what copy does is essentially it's you getting inside of the mind of your client. And when you get inside the mind of your client, you understand their pains and desires. You can reflect those back to them and tie it up together with some really beautiful messaging. You will have fans for life. So I think in terms of the lifetime value of a customer, understanding the basic principles of copy will really connect you to your audience and make them, not just a fan of yours, but an advocate for you and spread your messaging other places. But powerful messaging, without it, I think your business really will um, suffer. And not understanding, I think the most important thing that comes from copy is understanding your audience and the offers they actually want. And so if you're not in there in the weeds of learning copywriting, then your offers may not land. So you need to understand your audience and to do that. It's starting a conversation with them. It's understanding how they communicate about their pains and desires and then turning that into messaging that will then convert more of sales for you. So great, it's powerful. A
0: hundred percent. So you kind of mentioned the word principles, which is one of my favorite words to use is, you know, you can, you can teach someone the how like exactly do it this way, but I'm just like, what's the philosophy or what's the core principle to something? And if we can understand that, it's kind of like you learn how to paint in a structure, but then once you understand the framework, you can kind of paint outside the lines, which you do really well. And yeah. I know you have principles to the site, and I've been kind of checking out your stuff, and I see the flow and I see some of the formulas, but you paint outside the lines and you have fun with it. What are some key, this is a deep question, but what are some like key philosophies or principles that that you kind of, you know, you see copywriting through that maybe is different than. Than other copywriters, do you have some key things that you're just like, yeah, this is this is the stuff that, that makes up good copy?
1: Yeah, totally. So there's actually um, something that I teach that I really haven't heard anybody else teaching. There's four types of buyers that you can attract. And that's whether or not they land on a Facebook ad, a sales page, your email, whatever piece of copy they're looking at. There's four types of buyers that I am always looking to attract. So I'm going to run you through it. I call it the friends method just to make it fun. Perfect. Um, Good. So like the TV show. Friends method. Um, yeah. Take take some
0: notes. Take some notes. Don't just listen to this. Ep- I have to actually say this cuz I say it every time. Don't just listen to this episode. I'm so tired of having an episode come out and this is just this is real talk and then getting emails with questions that are answered in the episode. Take notes. Like if there's one thing you can do for yourself, you can listen to every episode that we have. You can you can read every book, but if we're not taking action, if we're not learning it and then taking action, uh, knowledge is, is knowing and wisdom is doing. So I, I highly recommend you take notes. Don't take this lightly because this stuff, I'm sure Sage could charge 10K for this, but she's giving it to us. So let's let's tune in here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to dig in. Okay, so there's four buyer types, as I mentioned. The first one are the Joey's of this friend's Um metaphor we're using. So Joey is the fun loving decision maker. He's the guy who just loves to have a good time. So let's just say he lands on your sales page. Joey is looking for fun copy lyrics, puns, maybe gifts, just things that catch his attention and keep him wanting to read. So you've got to have some funny stuff in there. Um, And then there's Ross. Ross is more of like the serious analytical person he is looking at a sales page and near the top of the sales page he just wants to know that this is for him so you have to identify who your customer is so ross is like oh yeah that's me and um also with the green the with the rosses they are way more into details people always ask me like do i really need this long sales page and I say yes for the Rosses who will actually read the entire sales page from top to bottom and then send you an email after and ask more questions. And then you copy that question and put it in the FAQ section.
0: Great, good, good stuff, yeah. This is really yeah. buyer buyer personas is, is what we're talking about. We're just having fun with this. So I like this.
1: Yeah, totally. And then Phoebe, she's the like, wants to make sure everybody's taken care of and she's the one who gets eliminated and makes sure everybody feels good. But when she lands on a sales page, she's looking for strong visuals for one. Like she's really into like really nice branded photos of you. So she feels connected to you. So again, that connection piece is so important. And she's just looking for that warm, deeper story that most people share on a sales page. There's a whole section dedicated to telling people more details about who you are and your brand and why this product has probably helped you in your own life and you share some more of those deeper details so phoebe wants to have that deep connection with you Um, and then the fourth type is monica and monica is the fast decision maker she lands on a sales page and she's just looking for that buy button at the top she's already decided if she wants to buy from you so don't forget to put a button right near the top for her to check out because she already knows. We, we love the red. We
0: love Monica's too. I, I I'm a Monica, I guess, because I'm just like, yeah, I know what I want. Done. Like, take my money and let's let's get this started. I love that.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, Monica's definitely skew towards like coaching because you're born leaders, right? Like, yeah. and. So Monica's are the born leaders and every personality too. like, there's the strengths and the weaknesses of every personality. One thing that I've noticed about the Monica's is they're like great starters, horrible finishers. So they great. need some bosses around who will help 100%. them finish whatever they're working on.
0: 100% relate. I love that.
1: Yeah. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah and i mean every color has its weaknesses like joey's always late to the party but you're so happy once he's there right so when i'm closing a cart on a product joey's like the one who writes you right at cart close or right after cart close can i get in can i get in yes yes yes. okay you want the joeys there because they're gonna make it so fun for everybody but it's like that's just their personality and with the it's funny with the rosses they get annoyed when people are late. Like that's just not something they like. Yeah. And, but once you realize, oh, it's just a Joey, like Joey's always late. We can right. just let it slide.
0: So much fun. Cool. So just to recap really quick. So four things on a sales page your emails, or I guess uh, really anything you're doing, I guess sales page is going to be the easiest way to implement all of this. But you got Joey, Ross. Oh, by the way, I've, I've I'm going to get yelled at. I've actually like never watched friends. That's, that's like really bad. But I I I mean I've seen clips and I have an understanding. But we've got Joey Ross, Phoebe, Monica. And I know Phoebe was kinda of like that. or do you got Monica Ross, Joey. So Joey is, so what do you want the first thing on your page? So Joey is
1: Fun loving. Fun loving. So have some fun copy on it. Have there. some
0: fun copy. Ross is
1: the slower decision maker, so you need lots of details. A little for more Ross.
0: analytical and needs to like filter it through that kind of buyer persona. Really needs all the details and probably needs even more than you put, he'll ask questions. This is this is great for a sales call, by the way, too, because we teach this just in a different framework of quickly identify who you're talking to if you do sales calls, and you're you got the person in front of you. Quickly identify the Joey, Ross, Phoebe, Monica. We teach it differently, but this is actually really amazing because it's fun. Phoebe is
1: Phoebe is a deep connection decision maker, so she great. wants to hear those stories that really light her up.
0: Great, good. And then Monica is the uh, where. Let's 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 go. I, I don't got I, I don't it. got time. Let's do this. this is great. So on a sales page, what I like about this idea is on a sales page, you you get you you can't control who's going on the page. You're gonna have one of four or a mix of these people go on your page, and then if you are in a conversation or you're in a sales call, you know you can quickly identify and try to figure out. And when you're coaching a client, this is what I love about this too. Is when you're coaching a client, it's really under really important to understand who it is you're working with, uh, because you can get them better results, you can keep them connected, and you know. I, I approach things usually from a from a harder approach, but when I'm aware that my client is sees the world differently than me, you can adapt and style flex. So I love this. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: That's really good stuff. So beyond that, so now you're writing your sales page, you're having fun with it, you're making sure you're putting the details, you're connecting through story, and you're making sure there's call to action. So for those ones who are like, I don't need the rest, just sign me up. You've got yeah. that. You've got the sales page. So if we want to drive traffic to that sales page and someone on this or listening has, I don't care if you have 20 emails on your list or 20,000, they want to start writing better emails, connecting. How can we implement this into writing really strong emails or do you have another formula when it comes to writing an email?
1: Yeah. So with emails, it's the same. This This same formula applies. <clears throat> of course, the email looks different than a sales page, right? Yeah. So with the email you definitely want to have some hot links right near the top for the monicas and one thing i forgot to mention about monica too with the sales page she often will say yes to something even faster even though she's already made her decision if near your buy button you have a testimonial so um also in your emails like having testimonials near the hot link it really helps for them to make that decision there's something about them. And ideally, even in an email, I would have a picture of what the next to the testimonial of like what the person said. So I think um, having that near hot link, you'll get more conversions, more people clicking on the link because it helps them to see what other people are saying about the program as great. they're making that decision.
0: Great, great. So so when we're talking about, uh, I'm just trying to pull this out of you because I, I really want this. So if there's if there's some sort of framework because I'm sure some people listening and I've been through this myself is like okay I know I've read some copy books I'm sitting on my computer the cursor's blinking I'm like okay you know what let me just start writing some kind of headline and maybe I'll figure it out is there some form of a framework you like to work if you're teaching it or that you like to work through so if you're about to you know beat like find the beats in the page or whatever you want to call it is there some form of a framework an acronym you like to use or some ninja jedi trick that that makes it a little bit easier for someone to be like, okay, I'll take this one step at a time instead of trying to implement it all at once?
1: Yeah, so in terms of figuring out like how you're gonna do this one step at a time, the very most important thing to think about with your emails is your subject line. I would spend so much time on the subject line because it needs to feel personal, they don't wanna feel like they're being sold to, And the more personal you can make your emails, the more people will want to open it and read it. So just some examples of subject lines that have worked really well for me. Um, The one lie I told myself is one that got a really good open rate for me. Another one, surprisingly, some people just want to know about my life besides like what I'm doing for my business. So another one that um, worked really well was like one week off with Sage and what am I doing with my life? Now, all of these stories that are just seem like simple stories, you can tie them back to whatever the offer is or getting them to sign up for the webinar or whatever you have going on. So um, really, it's just coming up with stories that don't feel like you're trying to push a sale. Instead, you're pulling them into an experience.
0: Yeah, great. So cool. So then so the emails and I 100% agree. Start with a story. Um, Don't I, I I'll sometimes see because we see an email come in, so we try to, you know, hack or copy the email, but the email is just like not fun. It's like mm. it's like it's a formula after formula after formula after formula. And I know for some type of businesses that works well because that's literally the persona of the business and it attracts that kind of client. But for what I see for the most part, especially for coaching, is like there needs to be a connection. There needs to be a relationship built, and all the world's best Facebook ads, all the world's best marketing, it's going to be hard to attract a client, especially in the coaching world, especially if you're like life coaching or you're diving deep with people. If there's no connection built, if they don't feel connected with you, uh, I don't care what kind of ninja tricks you use, it's going to be hard to get someone to buy from you if they don't feel connected. So it sounds like a lot of the stuff you're doing uh, is also building connections because you're having fun, you're sharing your life, you're, you're having fun with stories, you're making them laugh or... Or, or think, and you're you're building a connection.
1: Yeah, it's so important. And I even like when I get a story idea, I will put it on my phone to remind myself. So I have like a cache of stories that I can tap into. That way, when I do sit down, I'm not like at a loss for what to write. I already have some ideas, and I can just run with them.
0: Good, cool, so cool. So then, when it comes to a sales page, so you've got the emails over here. You've got the sales page. You're gonna use the four type of personas. You're gonna you know, make make sure you connect, make sure you have a call to action, make sure you're analytical, you share the details, you got some FAQs and all the fun stuff in between. Yeah. What about when someone's staring at the screen and wants to write a sales page? You have a service, you've been selling it through DMs or you've just kind of made your way through social media and people reach out to you and you've, you've put a business together but you know that if you had a solid sales page, if you could drive traffic to this page, you could have 100 people read the page a day, you know you get calls but consistently or sales made consistently but they're sitting there this is, a, this is a really big question, too, because I'm just going to challenge you here. But they're sitting there right now, and they're like, I really want to write a sales page. I don't know where to start. What would you say?
1: Oh, my goodness. The best thing you can do is go research other sales pages. I right. have an entire swipe file. And if you're not familiar with the term swipe, it's basically going out, taking screen captures of other people's pages And I use those as resources to framework my own page. And so people who have similar offers to you, it's the best to go look at that. Of course, you'll probably have a different audience than them. Um, And you do have to test these sales pages, right? Like you have to see what performs best tweak as you go. But looking at other people's pages has helped me tremendously. And I probably have hundreds of swipe files now because of my client projects that I've done. Yeah. Um, so the more you can get your hand on that, I do have one tool that you can use to easily grab a, um, sales page cause usually sales pages are super long, right? So there is a tool called full page screen capture mm. and it's a Chrome extension. And what it does is it takes the entire page instead of having, if you take a screenshot and then scroll mm-hmm. and take another mm-hmm. screenshot and scroll the full page screen capture tool lets you take the whole sales page at once as one
0: image. Cool.
1: Yeah, it's so important though to be looking at other people's pages and learning from them and and yeah. kind of taking a cue for your own business. You
0: can start figuring out the beats like if you're able to write on this thing, you could kind of figure out like okay, here's that, here's this one section, next section, next section, and how do I model it? How do I create my own out of it? Make a spin out of it and then test it. I like that. That 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 helps a lot of work. Could I ask you your um I have my own answer to this. I'm extremely biased and extremely big fan of it's something I spend a lot of time not only doing but but constantly getting better at but when it comes to video and especially the copy for the video um, mm-hmm. do you, do you have much experience with writing scripts for video or do you usually just stick to the long form pages and the kind of email stuff
1: Yeah it's rare I'll write video scripts yeah. I'm much more in the sales pages but I definitely have done it for the right kind of client
0: yeah I, I'm guessing it, it probably follows the same type of formula of grab the attention. You know, bring in the interest, show what it is that you're saying. So I'm sure it's fairly similar. If you can write good copy for an email or a sales page, uh, video scripting is, is fairly close.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think the two most important things, if you're getting like into video scripting, you haven't done it a bunch, is understanding you need a good hook and a good call to action. Great. Without those, I think you're kind of going to be lost. You know, it's it's not going to serve the purpose you need. But if you have a really good hook and a good call to action, then filling them in on it, it depends, right? Like if you're doing a three-part video series leading to a sales page, or the the different videos follow different formulas, but that one, um, the hook and the CTA are just the most important thing you can do.
0: So beautiful, awesome. Um, do do you have like a little um? Like a, a a routine, like writers. I'm not saying you are, but oftentimes I know I know I know a few writers, and they're um. They've got some. Sometimes they do some weird things to get their 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 themselves into the rain. They got like this little routine or this something they do um, when they face this quote-unquote writer's block, and they they don't know they just can't write. Do you do you got a little something something like a little special sauce for? Every time you sit down, you've got a routine to write copy. Or are you just so ingrained and it's just so ingrained in you now that you can write copy whenever?
1: You know, I can write coffee whenever, when needed, but I know when I work best. So the best time for me to work is early in the morning before I have any calls. So I try to have a morning routine around it. So like, let's say on a Monday, actually, I don't typically work on Monday. So Tuesday morning, I sit down at my desk. I don't open my inbox. I don't look at anything else. I just have, I might have some swipes sitting there ready for me to look at. But mostly those first two hours, I just dedicate to writing before I get on any calls or I connect with anybody else. So that really helps me because I found my brain functions the best during those morning hours. So um, I think it's finding like your personal um, routine in the day, like where does your brain work the best? i much rather talk to people in the afternoon. So those are the things that I've found have worked for me.
0: Yeah, so cool. So I guess the fundamental thing I'm trying to get at, because I hear this a lot, and I used to say this, is well, I just like I, I I don't know how to write, or I can't write. And I found the things that work for me, which is like coffee shop in the middle of the day, and I just bring my iPad. I don't connect to Wi-Fi. I open up the Word doc. I have a coffee, and I I sit there at the coffee shop. It inspires me to write, just probably because it feels like what a writer would do, and I can write really good copy, or I can I get really creative in that. So the first thing I usually say is, well, just test out a few different things, find your little groove and, and put that few hours aside every week to uh, to write some new emails, to write some new copy, to, to write some new stuff.
1: Yeah. And I found classical music helps me more than, um, I actually can't handle the background of coffee yeah. shop mm-hmm, noise. Mm-hmm. So I would have to put in some earphones, mm-hmm. but it's funny. There's an app actually I found a while back. I don't even remember the name of it anymore. That recreates the coffee mm. shop sounds. Some people do better with that. I was like, "Wait, what?"
0: I, I actually do. I've heard that a lot. It's like, I can't concentrate in a coffee shop. Me, I'm like, I just love it. All the clinging and the clanging and the and the white noise and the talking and and laughing. I'm just like, I I don't know. I, I love it. I will probably be there today, cause um, cause we got some stuff to write for a new a new video series. Um. Okay. Cool. So when when you're working with clients i don't know what you know you probably work with clients at all different scale all different capacities um what are what are some of the biggest things that you hear from them that you know whether they're limiting beliefs or stories they are telling themselves or just you know complaints slash obstacles slash uh, reasons why uh they they you know they're, they're 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 struggling with their copy what are what are some of the biggest things you hear
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that I hear the most is people are like, I just don't have time to do my own writing. Yeah. Um, And I actually have some tools I'd love to share that help me speed up my writing process. Let's do that. All right. So one thing that I love, oh my goodness, I can't live without this tool, is called OneTab. And if you've ever seen it, basically when I'm working on a project, sometimes I'll have 20 tabs open at once. Yeah. And the one tab is a Chrome extension you install, and it lets you collapse all 20 tabs at once and it indexes it into a list for you. And then you can restore all 20 at once. So let's say I'm like working on a client project and I got to jump on this podcast. Uh, I can just close all 20 at once and then come back to it afterwards. So that's really helped me.
0: So, a little like little productivity, um, I guess we could call it hacks. I, I would say. Some people are obsessed with trying to get little productivity hacks. So they have like 28 productivity little hacks. And then they're much less productive because they've got, they're managing 22 ways to be more productive. And I'm like, this is madness. But that seems like a really simple tool. You click on it, put all distractions aside. And um, and I guess that can be extended to everyday life. Like if you've got three or four things around you in your environment, your office or whatever that are distracting you, um, collapse those tabs, put them in another room. I think the cell phone is a really big one. Like put the cell phone away, turn it off, flip it upside down, get it out of reach, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So cool. Any other ones more on like uh, that you hear and you're just like, listen, okay, yeah. You got to sit down and do it, which is fairly, um, you know, straightforward advice. Sit down, do it, remove all distractions, sit down, write. But they're still staring at this blank screen. And I know a lot of you listening uh, can relate because I hear it from you. They're staring at this blank screen. Any any words of, of wisdom on like... Getting it out.
1: Oh, yeah. I okay. got you. Covered. All right. All right.
0: This is what I need. This so, is what I need.
1: Uh, some people are like processors. They write, they process by writing. Some people are verbal processors. So, mm. for the verbal processors, I don't know if you've heard of this, but within Google Docs, if you just go to tools yeah. and down to voice typing, there is a button you can push, it's a microphone. And instead of writing, handwriting your copy, you can voice to text and or text to voice. So it basically uh, lets you verbally process everything. And some people just come up with better ideas in that way. And it's a quick and dirty transcription, but I love that tool so much. And I tell my clients about it when I send them their intake forms. I'm like, hey, you can just speak your answers if you want. And they love it. It's also, you can put it on your phone. So let's say you're out and about, you get an idea for a yeah. video and you're like, oh, I got to get that down. You can just open Google Drive. There's a microphone on your phone and you click that and it'll start to type out what you're speaking. So I love that tool.
0: I love that. So if you're sitting there and you're stuck, um, I remember, who was that? Bob, I think he was like trying to get the sales budget out forever and writing it, writing writing it. Finally, he was, he's a professional speaker. Like he, he speaks. And I'm like, really, copy, no. copy is sort of kind of an extension in my mind anyways of, it's a different form of communication, but at the end of the day, it's, it's you're, you're speaking to text, so when someone reads it, they can hear you speak, like they could hear you saying it. It's, it's, to me, it's kind of almost the same, just a bit of a different tactic for copywriting, but it's, at least in my mind, it's, it's really close, so why not use that and get it out if you're a speaker, which, which most coaches are really good speakers, I find, so.
1: Yeah, totally, so I know that will serve them.
0: So cool. Okay. So, so into some of the biggest mistakes, uh, I, I think we learn the best from mistakes. And so I always try to dip into this a little bit of the failures, the mistakes, because they can just be used as a bit of a red flags. So if you're navigating, you know, trying to write copy or navigating a business and you've heard someone say, this was a big mistake. I wish I would have known sooner. You can kind of steer the ship around that mistake and avoid possibly months of pain. So whether that was in your business say it's like starting your business or whether it was something with copy or whether it was some mistakes you've learned working with clients that, that you know, you've course corrected along the way. Um, would you be open to sharing like a, a few of the bigger mistakes that you wish, I don't think in the past, but just for lack of argument, that you wish you wouldn't have made?
1: Yeah, totally. So, well, one for copy comes to mind first and then I can talk about my own business sure. too. But in terms of copy, I've seen a lot of people create offers for their audience where they made something they thought their audience wanted, yeah. but they didn't really talk to their audience about it first. Yeah. So that's a huge mistake that I see is like really, when you're writing like your emails, that's an opportunity to have people hit reply to the email and tell you what they actually want. So I think it's really important to have like a communication and a dialogue with your email list. Like it's not just you talking to them it's also starting conversations so that you can actually get the words that they use for solving the problems in their business. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they don't have enough dialogue where they're actually getting people hit to hit reply to their emails.
0: Huge. Awesome. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that's on the copy side. Yeah. And on the business side, you know, I mentioned like I'm eight years deep into my business. And I think for me, some of the biggest mistakes I made was I would look at other people's strategies, like I would be on the insides of these really big projects where, um, you know, we were taking them from maybe crossing to the first six-figure launch. Sometimes they were making, you know, going from 250000 to 500000 And I would try those same strategies that my clients were using in my own business. And it was a huge mistake because I am not the same as somebody who's like at chapter 20 in their business. And I was still at chapter one in terms of launching my own products. So what I learned though, from that is that I needed to personalize my launches more, that I had the advantage of not being as scaled up with my list. And so I could have more communication and have more opportunities for people to connect with me. after a while, I finally saw it as an advantage. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is actually an advantage of my business that I can do a sequence where I ask them, hit reply, and we can have a conversation in email. Um, I love that.
0: I love that. It's so huge. And and what I want to just mention really quick is just be be wary or be um, be conscious that sometimes the tactics someone is teaching online, and I'm not shooting any gurus or any experts down right now, I'm not, but just be conscious that if... If they launched their entire business on YouTube ten years ago, and they were putting a video out every single day, and it took off, and they've got millions of, it's just just be conscious that what they're doing now or what worked ten years ago may not work for you. And there's there's multiple phases that a business goes through. So like your first zero to ten k, it's basically you're focused on sales and and conversations. You don't yeah. have to worry about massive amounts of traffic and these podcasts and all these all these speaking engagements, at least at first, at least for my experience, but after the 10K mark, okay, maybe now we need to create a little bit more automation, some systems. You can still do one-on-one and you can drive traffic. If you get to that 25k mark, we gotta start worrying about program delivery, group coaching, how do we leverage our time? And on and on. So just I, I love what you said, because it's a big thing of well, they're doing this, or I'm gonna funnel hack them, and it drives me crazy insane because their funnel they're driving ten thousand dollars a day sometimes of facebook traffic into that funnel and they have a group of 20 closers it's just you possibly and you're doing the sales calls and i think that's such an advantage because they're getting on calls with closers there's no connection and their conversions and their sales numbers might be lower as in the closing ratio because of that but when people reach out to you and they actually get you on the Skype call or you on the, on the Zoom call. They're just like, they're blown away because it's you and they get to connect with you. And it, it's not a disadvantage. You will get to the point where you'll have five salespeople working for you and you'll be, all you'll do is you'll go speak on stages. You'll get there. But right now we're focused on five sales a month, 10 clients a month, whatever. And you can, you can build a really lucrative business um, with just you and a VA or a very small little team.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And don't hide behind the funnel. They yeah. Don't. You're missing a huge
0: opportunity. Huge, huge. I love that. Any other? I love that. So I'm guessing you probably made more than one mistake, unless you're <laughs> uh, unless you're a genius, which I'm sure you are. But unless you're like, you've just you've avoided all landmines. But maybe one more mistake because I, I really resonate with that one that you just kind of mentioned there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So another big mistake that I made in my business. Mm, I think I waited too long to build my list. Hmm. That was a big one for me is like, I often wanted to hide behind the success of my clients, which, you know, it gets a bit addicting. Like to have your clients have incredible results. I had one client, we did 1.25 million in a single launch. Cool. One webinar. Cool. It was bananas. And it also like, I found myself, not wanting to build my own list and be like the cobbler with no shoes where it's like, yeah. I'm going to help them build up their entire brand, but then I'll get to mine later. I'll get to mine yeah. later. Yeah. So that I think was a huge mistake for me because now I see the value of it. Right. Like, and I only wish I had started sooner. Cool. So yeah, that is a huge one for me. And one other thing I'll say about list building though, is you can definitely launch your private client service to your list people always think you have to launch a program
0: yeah or a yep. course for a yep. product
1: but that's not true at all like you can list you can totally use your list and leverage that to get private clients as well so those things kind of held me back like I know so many service providers and client-based business owners and coaches who are mm. just like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't need a list yet mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have a course I'm like mm, hold on <laughs> hold
0: up um I think that's a universal principle of when you're when you're good at something like you are we sometimes are devoting all of our energy. So I see a lot of coaches who are amazing at what they do and they start neglecting their own their their own even sometimes themselves or their mindsets or their spirituality and and they're the best at what they do. I have a background in fitness and sometimes I was so committed to my clients
1: mm-hmm. that
0: on the back end I was working 12 14 hours a day. I wasn't taking breaks. I was eating like junk. I was pounding red bulls to make it through the day and finally something had to give and I was like, "Wait, like I'm kind of being a hypocrite right now and let me scale this thing back. Let me find ways to work with less clients, make more money, take care of myself, actually be happy, centered, grounded. So I think that's a pretty universal thing. And of course you are, you know, you, you know, the copy and the marketing side of things and sometimes we'll neglect, uh, I would be guilty for that too. Sometimes we're so focused on clients and we're just like, we put off a launch yes. and we put off something because well, we'll do it. We'll do it. And finally I'm like, put your oxygen mask on first, take care of you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no selfishness involved with that. It's actually selfless to take care of yourself first because you're able to serve people on such a higher level.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I started a program called Work Less, Earn More Academy cool. for this exact reason because <laughs> I see so many client-based business owners who are just holding back. Like they they don't take care of themselves. They can't remember they had, the last time they had a vacation without a laptop and it's yeah. painful. Yeah. It's painful. So yeah, and I, I'm... Definitely not wanting to go back to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a natural evolution, and my heart goes out to everyone who. One
0: hundred percent. I can absolutely relate to that. And when you love what you do, it 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 can be very. Um, the lines can be blurred from personal life, business, work life, clients. It's the lines can get blurry. So I'm I'm always like boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Set them in stone. They're like the Ten Commandments written in stone. Put it on your desk, and every time you feel like you're breaking one of those, uh, commandments, boundaries. We're all guilty of it. Me too. It's like. Just bounce back as fast as you can. Fix that thing.
1: Yeah, I have something interesting to say about boundaries. I actually feel like we should keep ourselves so full that we don't feel like we have to keep other people out. I like that. And this is my personal ethos. But like doing things so that you are full on self-worth and self-love allows you to serve people at a much higher level without feeling like you have to keep them out. Because when you're so full on feeling good about you know the way you run your business, the way you show up in your business, people can't really take advantage of you. It's like they might try, but you'd be like, mm, it doesn't great. really bother me.
0: <laughs> great, great. So amazing. So I, I usually start kind of wrapping this up and, and closing things up with a a question that, um, I'm, well, for some people it takes five minutes to answer. It's totally cool. We can cut out the four minutes of silence. I like silence. Uh, and some people know the answer right away. and And... You know, if if and I'm gonna knock on every piece of wood around me, but if if you had to leave something with the world, or a different way to frame it is if you could have told yourself when you were you know 20 or 18 or or whatever, if you could leave something with your younger self, or you could pass something on, just being like this is something that I really really wish I would have known, and that could be on your personal life, that could be in your business. Usually the two are tied, kind of like your I don't know if you read like Ray Dalio's um, principles, really big fan. But there was like just like these fundamental truths that he lived his life by. And it applied to his business, relationships, everything. And it's kind of like his compilation of like these fundamental truths. So some truth that if you could pass it on, or you could have it written in the sky or in the book that is your life, what would that one thing be?
1: I love this question. So for me, I would love to tell my younger self that, my next work is always my best work. And so it would keep me motivated to keep showing up and knowing that I'm going to learn from everything that I've done before. And it's always going to get better because I'm going to, what is the saying? I'll never fail. I never fail either win or learn. Yeah. So I feel like keeping that in front of myself, that my next work is always my best work, that I'm constantly learning that it's okay to have things that don't work out the way I, I thought they would so that I can keep showing up and enjoying the next iteration of whatever I'm doing so I think that's the one for me
0: so powerful I think if, if everybody approached everything in life with I will just keep getting better I will keep we, we work sometimes with a spiritual community and the one thing that I I don't agree with is sometimes and this is an a this is in a this isn't a, this is in a uh, you know this is a very generality but something that comes up a lot is Like when is, like why do you need more or when is enough enough? And the way I try to reframe that is like it depends why you want more and where that's coming from. Are you trying to fill yourself with more and with growing and with trying to work on the next project and make it better for self-worth because that's a never-ending battle and there's something's got to give. I can relate. Or do you genuinely, I had a mentor who asked me how tall does a tree grow? And I spent a week trying to be like, I don't know what you mean. This is stupid. And finally, I, I, he told me, he's like, a, a tree grows as tall as it possibly can. And whether it's a small tree or a big tree, it gave everything it had to grow and reach as high as it could. And if it was in the front of the Arctic, it only grew three feet, but it's the best it could do. And if it was somewhere in the tropics, it would grow to, you know, I don't know, a thousand meters. And it was, it was, it, but it could grow no more and no less. And so I think nature, everything in nature is trying to evolve trying to expand yeah. trying to fully express itself and then us humans because we've got all this bullshit we um you know we just sell ourselves short so i love that piece of advice it's just continuous growth and just strive to be the best and and no less than that
1: yeah 100 percent. it's so good and i really appreciated you sharing that
0: i love that so amazing if, if 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 the audience or if anyone listening wants to learn a little bit more i suggest you do uh, about you and, and your work, and and download the gift you have for us. Um, where will they find you? All the links will be below, and uh, where do they find you?
1: Oh, thank you, Lucas. So they can go to sagepolaris.com is my website, and uh, check me out there. And I have I put a lot of love into that website. So. I see
0: that. I see that. I I had a lot of fun reading it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Have a peek at that, and and I'll put the link for the uh, for the download and the gift. That Sage is giving you away as well. If you have a list, uh, implement it. Try it out. See what happens with it. And and I I can I'm pretty confident that um that your that your opens and your and your click throughs will go up. Yeah. Beautiful. Sage, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Lucas. I appreciate you.
0: We'll talk soon. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.